from the mind of the three-star Michelle and Roberts podcasters Shilanga and Dylan comes the Wolfgang Schmutz. Ratatouille! No, 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 no. What? That was your worst idea yet. I'm sorry. I apologize. Ah. I apologize to everyone. But that reminded me of when Josh Okoge tried to pronounce your name in West African French, where he was like, Happy birthday, Shilanga. Yeah, that was weird that he kind of put on that little accent for my cameo. That was like, I didn't really understand that. Um, I'm so, I just want to apologize to all the listeners that we had to try that name and it didn't work. And thank you for not turning it off, turning off the podcast as soon as you heard that. It, it's only going to get better from here. Today, we actually have a really special guest, Tom Schreier of the Own Coverage Network, uh, our employer, is going to come on the podcast. Uh, and I'm really excited. We talked for, you know, around 45 minutes to an hour. And it was really fun. He had a lot of really interesting takes about the Timberwolves. But before we get to that, Dylan, how about we do some real fake news? Um, some, I always say fake news. It's not Don't fake. Don't do it. Don't do it. It's real news. It's real stupid, stupid news. All right. So first up, John Wall has been traded with a first round pick to the Houston Rockets for Russell Westbrook. (laughs) (laughs) That's a 2K ass trade. Oh my I can't believe God. I love the player empowerment era. I'm so excited. I'm I'm so excited for both sides of this. The bet the thing that would make me so happy is if Harden actually plays out the season and then they're better with John Wall. Because I think that there is like a very, very tiny, 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 tiny possibility of that. And it would just be, it would make me so happy. Well, John Wall, historically, has been a better shooter than than Russell Westbrook, especially off the catch, which is like great. In, 38% in Harden, in Harden since 2013, offense. according to KOC, I think it, he said that. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's not great, but that's better than Russell Westbrook. One on of average, yeah. efficient uh, jump shooters in NBA history. Dude, I, fuck, when I heard about the, when I heard this rumor initially, I thought it was so funny. I just like laughed and laughed and laughed at the idea of these two, like, monstrosity contracts being traded for each other (laughs) like two flawed ass point guards like with questions about their health and how good they'll be and then they get traded are you kidding me um (laughs) also russell westbrook made all nba last year and now he's being traded for a bad contract and a fucking terrible first round pick i can't believe this this is like (laughs) this is truly historic i would be so embarrassed so like (laughs) carmelo anthony has decided he has reflected and decided that he could come off the bench behind Derek Jones Jr. I added that L- part myself. Oh, L. Yeah, this was a, a an article in, in The Athletic about Car- Car- Carmelo Anthony sitting back in his chair, drinking some wine, thinking about how good the Blazers have been to him and realizing that he's ready to be a role player now and not the star. Um, hello, Carmelo Anthony. You haven't been a star for, what, five years? <laughs> and even then i was looking back he hasn't made the one time he made the western conference finals or any conference finals was when he was playing for the uh for the 2009 denver nuggets and he was like the fifth best player on that team in terms of advanced stats he was not good on he was worse than jr smith on that team jr smith i'd like to think that Carmelo anthony could have won a championship by now had he been willing to come off the bench somewhere because he can definitely get buckets and people seem to really like him so he would have been a great fit as just like a ring chaser uh on a on a team that wanted to you know really compete for a title unfortunately he couldn't get out of his own way carmelo 
Carmelo Anthony plus Rodney Hood coming off the bench. Think about how dynamic that will be. Oh my yeah, that's god. Yeah, that's a lot of offense coming off the bench. I'm really excited for this Blazers team. I'm glad we were high on them early. So let's let's keep that uh Blazers horn tootin' Dylan. Leangelo Ball has signed a one-year non-guaranteed contract with the Detroit Pistons. Finally, I honestly are in the league. I think that they were trying to sign famous Ninja Turtle Michael Leangelo. <laughs> And they just made a mistake with the name. Um, remember when uh, Leangelo got arrested in China for stealing sunglasses and then Trump had to pardon him? Oh, my God. That was so tight. That was the best thing Trump ever did. <laughs> what about when uh, what didn't he do something for uh, who was in who was in Sweden? It was ASAP Rocky or something. I think it was ASAP Rocky. He was in Sweden. Trump demanded that he get released from jail. I guess, you know. Upon reflecting, Trump was kind of lit. <laughs> Don't actually cut that go out too podcast. far. Uh, I'm not. Right. I won't cut it out. <laughs> Rudy Tomjanovich. That how you say how you say his name, Dylan? Yeah, you gotta I, read this one. I'm just gonna say Tomjanovich. <laughs> That's a fun name. It's been a long time since I've heard his name pronounced. So, uh, Rudy Tomjanovich has been a, hired as a player consultant for the Wolves. What does a player consultant do, Dylan? I think they just make money and then they get called on the phone infrequently. He's probably just going to be zoomed a couple times a year. <laughs> I don't know, yeah. but he guess what? Guess who he mentored and tutored throughout his coaching career? Hakeem Olajuwon, great dream himself. Hakeem Olajuwon, one of one of the most underrated superstars of all time. Mm-hmm. One of the most underrated goats. The only player to win a championship while being the only Hall of Fame player on his own team. In 1994, so, he did that. That was before Clyde Drexler got to the team. You're telling me that uh, basically Rudy's job is going to be to call Carl and be like, listen, Carl, oh you're my doing God. a good job, but oh, I remember when I was coaching Hakeem. And- oh, wait, Vincent D'Onofrio. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Delight- my God. Delight- we've been working so hard on your voices for the big bubbler, and then now <laughs> you're just going Vincent D'Onofrio on me every time again. Yeah, look, I got I got a I got a couple voices. Like if I'm not like actively practicing, I just go back. <laughs> I just go back to Tartarus. Um anyway, I'm so sorry, everyone. Uh I if I, I were like Carl Anthony Towns, I would be I would be super tired of Rudy calling me and telling me about Hakeem and how good Hakeem was. And how to how how to get my footwork better and how to be more of a rim protector and blah blah blah. But guess what? <laughs> It, that would be enough for me to like, like if I had to get one more call from Rudy Tomjanovich or I could just get better at defense, that would be inspiration enough for me. And, you know, and, and we say this not knowing Rudy Tomjanovich at all or what his personality is like or what he's actually going to be doing for the Wolves. So, <laughs> no, he's probably a great guy. <laughs> Take this with a grain of salt. We love you, Rudy. Welcome to the Wolves family. <laughs> we uh, love you, Rudy St. Clair. Finally. Oh, shouts to Rudy. Finally, Malik Beasley was spotted at a mall with Larsa Pippen. Uh, it's wife. What the? Oh, Dylan, Dylan, wait, wait. Tom, Tom's getting here. Tom's getting here. Let's act normal. Act normal. Act oh, normal. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I can't. Oh, my God. This is bad. This is bad. That was fun. Time to introduce our <laughs> guests for today. <laughs> We've been talking for about five minutes now, and it's time to move on to our guest. We have. God, that was this... so fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so much fun. <laughs> Woo! We have the czar of zone coverage, the baron of blog boys in Minnesota, the king oh. of Minnesota sports writing, and also the Packers, 
We have Tom oh, Schreier. The pack. Yeah, we do. Welcome we do have pod, our, we have Packer coverage. It's not why I'm in Green Bay right now, but uh, <laughs> trust me, any of the, the Packer writers are probably like stay six feet, and we don't need to meet right now. We could probably do it after the vaccination. But yeah, the uh, <laughs> the bear. If, the- if I know Packers fans, none of them are getting vaccinated. No, it's it's scary <laughs> around here, dude. It's like you know, you drive about four hours, and you have to stop at some point. And you go into any gas station, you're like, ah, oh, masks are pretty optional here. <laughs> but, I had the yeah. same thing in Nebraska. Actually, every state in between here and Minnesota when I was driving was basically that way. Yeah, no, I can imagine. I mean, believe it or not, that's probably why the, the stuff's coming our way. But yeah, you go down to like Iowa or whatever. I know uh, David Naylor was, uh, he's from Iowa, one of our writers, and he was down in Kansas City for the the loons, the, uh, the soccer team, they beat Kansas city in Kansas city. And he was like, Oh boy, it was a, it was a bit of an adventure going down there and whatnot. I think he's, he's safe and sound, but it's, he's, uh, he's from Des Moines. He said around Des Moines, it's fine. Otherwise it's, uh, it's risking it all. Yeah. yeah, for real. yeah. The collective shrug that this country has done regarding COVID-19 is really something else. Just eh, whatever, uh-huh. <laughs> you know? Anyway, let's talk some basketball. So, Tom, our listeners don't know you, so we're going to get to know you a little bit more. Like I said, Tom is the proprietor of Zone Coverage. Dylan and I write for Zone Coverage. Tom also writes for Zone Coverage. His pieces are amazing. You should definitely read them. Dylan, you prepared some questions for for Tom, right? There's a small problem, but I think I can get through... Okay, yeah. Problem. We were supposed to have Kyle Ratke from Zone Coverage on today, but we got the second best thing in Tom Schreier. So, Dylan, you, you did rewrite the questions, correct? Yeah, yes, I did. Okay, okay so, okay, okay. Kyle Ratke, in 2012, you briefly wrote for the USA Today. What would you say was your favorite article to write? <laughs> no, Dylan, Dylan, what? remember, we got Tom on the podcast today, not Kyle. I told oh. you to rewrite the questions so that they well, were Tom's. Well, what, art, what article would you have written in 2012? I'm trying to think of a great 2012. That was kind of the doldrums, I think, in general for Minnesota sports. I'm to think of where every team was. but It can't be about Ricky Rubio's ACL. Yeah, that's a, that's a bummer because that was – honestly, if I were to write something, if I was pitching something Wolves-related, it'd be – I'm trying to think if I went to a game there. There was a moment there where you're like, it's back. It's back. They're going to fill 19,000 every night. This is love and Rubio, which like if you step back and thought about it, you'd be like, probably not. But, you know, I think yeah. we're so itching to like have a good team back. And I probably would have written how it reminded me of going to games when, you know, it was Garnett and Marbury and, and uh, my childhood. And then I'd look stupid as soon as they all fell apart. <laughs> Jalenga, I, I didn't know you back in 2012, but that season, 2011-2012, I was graciously given – a whole box by Ryan Tanky, who was the head of uh, ticket sales at the time, is now the CFO. And I just texted all my friends as like as many friends as I could in mass, just trying to figure out who how I could f- possibly fill this box. And I got to see we got to see Ricky Rubio in that. Was that the, was that his first or second season? I forget, but it was yeah. definitely his ACL season. So he, he, yeah, he was drafted in 09. It might have been. I think it was but, his first but year. He came over. I think he came over in 2011. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have computers. We he was up. amazing. Yeah, we have computers. <laughs> I'm too lazy, but it was that he was amazing before that ACL. I'll tell you that. All okay, right, so I, Dylan, that that first question was not Tom related. Let's get a Tom related right. question. Okay, this one's definitely definitely about Tom. So, um, Tom Schreier 
From 2017 to 2020, you worked as digital content manager for the Timberwolves. Who was your least favorite person to work with? <laughs> Dylan, was that one not right? You can't just change the name of the question to Tom and make it about Tom. Here's the, here's the funny thing is I hope they're good people because A, it's like Mitch Hansen who writes for our site, covers the links, might do some Wolves coverage or write about the Wolves. It's uh, Todd Barron who weirdly was part of my brother's high school class. And I remember seeing him in the Timberwolves like locker room and being like, what are you doing here? You know, like, like, are you allowed to be here? And what, what's up? And uh, he may actually end up doing some writing for us. Like, uh, like you, Dylan, went out to California for a little bit. And now he's back. Oh. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of someone I just want to, I know these aren't my questions. I'm just trying to answer them. <laughs> uh, but I'm trying to think of someone to knock. Fortunately, as, as dysfunctional as the Wolves have been, uh, they do keep good people around. You know, hopefully they're just, you know, a little, a little better equipped to put together a basketball team this time. Let's just say Tom Thibodeau, because he's gone now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys want a terrible Tom Thibodeau story from me? Are you yeah, guys sure, ready for this? So my my brother went to med school in Chicago and my dad was working there at the time. So often one of them would need their cars or something like that, or would need, or I just wanted an excuse to go to Chicago, which is an awesome city. And uh, I would go out there pretty frequently, easy flight, or sometimes I'd have to drive my dad's car, which is terrible driving out there. Um, and my friends and I would go to Bulls games pretty regularly. And that was at the time that it was like the Derrick Rose, Tom Thibodeau, like the Bulls seemed like they were mm. back. Something about the teams I follow and like tricking you into thinking they're good. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. But, but. Back when Derrick Rose preferred to, he was like, I just need to make sure that I can walk at my daughter's high school graduation. <laughs> yeah, you remember that? Vaguely. Uh, Derrick Rose is, a, is something. I knew a guy who worked for him and, and loved him, but I think everyone else has pretty mixed feelings on him. Uh, the, yeah. uh, to be fair, it was weird to see him in an old school Wolves uniform with Jimmy Butler on his team, you know, dropping <laughs> 50 points or whatever, but that's neither here, here nor there. I was so sold on Tibbs because I remember going, like, there's 23,000, I think, in that uh, Chicago stadium. And everyone in town, you talk to people in the bars, the people sitting next to you or whatever, was convinced they're back. This is the first time since, you know, since Jordan. Everyone watched The Last Dance and saw they messed up all that stuff. <laughs> but, uh, but I was like, I remember seeing him and A, people were like, you're going to feel something when he comes out. And I'm like, I don't care. Like, this isn't like Joe Maurer to me. Joe Maurer grew up in you know, Minnesota where I grew up. Dude, I was like, this is cool. This is a guy from the Chicago area. And then you saw him play. And I was like, it's a little like maybe Byron Buxton watching a guy that fast where you're like, I don't even, my mind can't even compute that he got to the basket that quick. And that's like a viable play he made like on a basketball mm -hmm. court. And um, between the emotions of it and just like the, the seeing, seeing basketball played at that rate. Um, I was sold on Tibbs. I was like, fine, bring it all here. Even though I knew all these players that played way too many minutes and were washed up. And, you know, Lou Dang at that point, I think was like a half year into a contract he signed. And they were like, nah, dude. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and of course I was like, no, 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 it'll work guys. It'll work. So unfortunately I was one of the last people to, uh, to believe in Tom Thibodeau, but luckily jumped off the wagon before he was fired. And hopefully they're in a better place now. Well, we, we still believe in Lou Dang. Yeah. yeah, we're dang, dang believers for sure. <laughs> he looked he looked good for a little bit. He was here. He just uh, yeah, he played too many minutes because of um, <laughs> yes. yes, precisely. All right. Well, thank you for humoring us with these questions. I think Dylan, we have. I'm going to give you one no, more this, try. Yeah, this one's definitely Tom not about a Kyle. Tom question because I would really like to get to know Tom. On this, this one has this one has nothing to do with Kyle. I promise. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Let's hear it. 
Wolfgang Ratke was a German educational reformer. In three words, what does educational reform mean to you, Kai? Tom, Tom. I'm passing on this one. There's nothing Dylan, I can come up with. You really messed this up. Let's move on to the podcast. Uh, so we're going to, now that we know Tom, we're going to talk about the Timberwolves offseason. We're going to kind of take a look back and get a get a gauge on where the team is today. So first, I want to talk about the draft. I think that that has been like one of the most interesting nights of the Timberwolves summer. Um, Dylan and I both really liked what the Wolves did with the draft. We, mm. we discussed it quite thoroughly. But what are your thoughts on on the draft? Yeah, I mean, my initial thought was you got to move the pick. And and as it was being reported, as you, you know, you came closer and closer to selection, I was like, I think, you know, Rosas is going to pull off one of his like 11th hour kind of like, was that legal? Like, you know, maybe we got to go look, look back at the tape and see if he actually got it in before you're supposed to make the pick. But I thought Rosas was going to do something. Having said that, it was maybe too obvious that this was the draft where you're not getting the franchise changing player. The Wolves are in a little different position than most teams drafting them number one overall with Dilo, with Cat, with some sort of a semblance of a team put around them. Uh, having said that, I mean, I think Edwards is one of those guys who, like, we may all look dumb for saying, why wouldn't you choose that guy number one in a few years? He, he's just so athletic. And I, I think, you know, again, I don't break down college tape. I don't even know how much I've watched him in college. Um, but I think, I think you look at him, and it's funny, that's the profile of, like, every player they chose was, like, it almost felt like Rosas, who's known for his numbers, went with gut instinct like he's like i just watched this guy playing basketball and he's good at basketball and we'll figure something out and so as much as i probably have concerns everyone else does um you know i kind of look at the other guys they took and it's like again like this bomero guy you look at his stats and i'm like i don't know what these mean they're in a different league i don't even know when he's coming over and then you kind of sit back and go he's probably a draft and stash player roses probably projects him to be something that someone else doesn't and with mcdaniels it's kind of the same thing you go and ask people who who watch you do basketball and that is out in Seattle, it's a big deal. Uh, they're like, yeah, if that dude kind of figures it out, he's gonna be he's gonna be unreal. So I don't know if it's gonna be they go three for three, but I think it's a draft. You you know, you hope one of those guys really capitalizes on their athleticism and becomes a contributor. Yeah, you know, I, I think that they they're, they're all really big high upside picks, and so like even if one of them hits, like the the upside of it, it, it make, definitely makes it worth the, worth the worth the risk. Now, and I were were podcasting live during the draft, and at number seventeen, oh our my worst God, nightmare crying happened, <laughs> and, and Rosas drafted Alexis Pokashevsky, and we <laughs> I actually had to like get up and leave the room because I was so up. So I think it took a smoke break. <laughs> But it, it, it was it was not tobacco that he was smoking. I actually I started drinking again. It was terrible. What it was like? Take me back to draft night. Where were you? What was what was your mindset? What did you think when you saw that? Yeah, so I was watching with a uh, a friend who's a diehard basketball fan, kind of a disenchanted Wolves fan. Maybe he, he said he's done with them. I know he'll come back if they start winning. But we all do. But we all uh, do. But no, he knows a lot about basketball. Reads probably more about it. Into more scouting and stuff than I am. And for me, it was almost, I went from like, what do I think about it to, I need to take care of my roommate who just is not handling this very well. I, I think I texted you guys and been like, I think he might've left for Canada uh, at one point. I thought he just got in the car and started driving. Uh, you know, I kind of, it, it, so part of me was like, well, it's not as bad as he thinks it is. So like that put me in a positive mindset, but I just, I kind of came away being like, I'm not really sure what the strategy is. Again, as kind of I laid out early in the you know podcast, I think, 
when you look back, maybe you see just the high upside and taking swings at guys and stuff like that. But in the moment, I was just like, I'm not seeing consistency in, in the decision making. And then they got Rubio and I go, I don't care. They're Rubio's back. <laughs> yeah, All right, well, that's a permission because we were just going to ask about your thoughts on Ricky Rubio. What does he bring to this team? What do you think of the fit? Good yeah. move, bad move? What, what, what are your thoughts? I mean, going back to frustrations with Tibbs, one of them, and this is where I'm starting to lose it within my mic. I don't think I, I get it. Like he, he's a flawed player. I don't think he's a guy you actively try to move. And I don't know why we kept getting like reports out of New York that that was the destination. I don't know if there was just someone really well sourced there or someone in New York really leaking a ton of things. Again, the Knicks are as dysfunctional as the, as the wolves. So there's stuff that gets out no matter what. But um, I always saw him as like, I get it. I'm probably too attached to him because he kind of panned out as that guy who was a mystery, right? It's like, he's overseas. Is he going to come over? He looked like a beetle when he came over and you're like, what the, that's not really like, (laughs) he looks like that, you know, (laughs) one of those moments. And then uh, I just loved, again, it was one of those guys, not to compare him and, and peak Derrick Rose, but like he'd do things on the basketball court. And especially if you watched him in person, you're like, I don't know how he saw that guy over there and he threw it right in his hands. Like he, he, it was, it was like most basketball players master some other skill. That's a little more exciting, but like, you know, it's like a great three point shooter, I guess a great dunker. It's like, he just did that at a level I just hadn't seen before. And I love a player like that because he has that, that skill and that playmaking. And I think as much as Rosas and they always do this and I wish they didn't, he's like, well, it has nothing to do with the fact that there's an emotional attachment to him. And this is their, <laughs> he is more valued in Minnesota than he is anywhere else in the league. That's, that's just, that's just true. But I think it does fit Rosas' system. It's not incongruent with what he wants with a playmaker on the, on the court at all times. And I think as you get more positionless and whatnot, um, you know, I don't know if it matters who brings up the ball, D'Lo or, or, or Rubio, you probably stag him at times. And I think, I think he'll bring something constructive. And the nice thing at his age and having been around the league a little bit is that he's not burdened with this hype of like, well, maybe they salvaged the 2009 draft because Rubio is going to be this great player because a player coming from overseas who doesn't play in the first two years since they were drafted always comes in with a little mystery and hype. Um, I think there's realistic expectations for him, and therefore I think he'll succeed because he'll play within the offense. Gerson is the biggest liar in the NBA front offices. (laughs) (laughs) He's trying to pretend like he's not being emotional about all this shit, and he's totally being – he's the most emotional, emotionally driven GM in the whole league, and I love it. I'm 100% here for all of it. We stand Gerson Rosas. We stand Ricky Rubio. We stand all of these moves. I like, what did we give up? We gave up 33 basically to get uh Bulmaro. We gave up almost nothing to get Ricky Rubio essentially, because we ended up getting those two draft picks behind that. I mean, I, and we ended up getting two really high upside guys. As Chalanga was saying, only one of them has to hit. I, you know, to be fair, this is not, and, and again, it's always hard to bring up Flip because, like, Flip is kind of Minnesota basketball, and he's beloved here as he should be. But to be fair, Flip really did a similar thing in the sense that I remember covering the Wolves that year, and he kept on mentioning KG, and I was like, dude, what are you talking about? Like, that guy's so long gone, it's unbelievable. <laughs> like, I, you know, it, 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 he sounded crazy when he was like, you know, KG means everything, and you know, it, Flip talked about KG, honestly, how Tibbs talked about Jimmy. And that's not really the praise Rosas is bringing Rubio, but he's doing something similar here where it's like, 
Flip knew the biggest thing he could do beyond some of these minutiae trades, some that honestly, like the uh, Adrian Payne one was so unbelievably bad that again, we forgive him because it like it happened so long ago. But honestly, that trade for KG probably wasn't great. I think it was Thaddeus Young and I'm, I'm trying to remember who else, but it yeah, didn't that, matter. That's a good player too. Like that is still starting for NBA teams. Yes. He lasted in the league forever. He was a great like locker room guy. It was not a great trade on paper. But he sold this on this idea that, to be honest, had he not passed, probably was feasible that, like, this is the next, we can kind of fix the ownership thing. Like, he'd never come out and say that for obvious reasons. But, like, look, we can put a group together. There's enough people with money around the Twin Cities or believe in the Wolves or whatever who will back a KG flip ownership group right and now we're in this weird ownership limbo again where like kg all of a sudden is buddies with glenn taylor or whatnot but you know i think rosas on a smaller scale is doing something similar i i was there i actually they put us in the hockey box because we were we're a smaller platform and everyone wanted to get into that game but it's probably the first only time they opened the hockey box for like a basketball game but i was way up in the rafters and as soon as kg took the floor and if you guys remember that was not a great game they actually started really slow against Washington and KG just looked old and all this stuff. And it didn't matter. It's like that place was packed. It was rocking. It was electric. People were talking about it three days later. And, you know, Rubio won't have the same effect in Minnesota, obviously, but he will be feel good. And he's actually at a position to play better than KG was right. And at a position to, to mentor the team. And so um, I think, you know, again, I think it's not as I wish these guys would just own it. I know you don't want to say it maybe to jinx it or maybe because it seems like you're dissing the player or something like that, but just come out and say, guys, I'm just trying to like make this fun and exciting. Again. And I, he's an older player who can mentor some of these young guys. Rich was mm-hmm. Richard rich. I'm just calling him rich. Cause you know, if he's going to be called Rick, I'm going to just call, call him rich. He was legitimately the second best player on that son's team too. Let's not forget last year. <laughs> so um, let's move on to uh, a few other offseason uh, acquisitions and moves. I want to talk about uh, Malik Beasley, <laughs> the much controversial character of Malik Beasley. I, I will say, I I got am... I got banned from by Tom from talking about Malik Beasley for the rest of eternity. <laughs> yeah, Dylan was naughty. He got in trouble for. Uh, we won't get into it, but uh, he he got in a little trouble. I will say, I'm addicted to drama, and so having Malik on this team just doing everything he's doing has been really. Uh, filling my heart with some joy what are your thoughts tom yeah I, I think i have a hard time with players like this who instantly shift from like this is a feel-good story this is a guy who is stuck at the end of the bench who to be fair is like coming from a team that is the model for the wolves there's not many great teams that are because really you want to be in a great market where you can recruit players and then kind of build around them especially premium players on minimum contracts mm-hmm. or whatever kind of like what the lakers did but you know denver especially that was actually a great story in the playoffs. And I think diehard basketball fans probably got into that. Also Wolves mm-hmm. fans probably were like, Hey, Jamal Murray, man, like could have yep. drafted him. Uh, you yep. know, if they didn't have the Curry thing, we probably would be like, man, that was the dumbest thing the Wolves have ever done. Uh, but, but you know, the nuggets are really built. They, they even talked about it on the broadcast. So it's not like they're getting number one pick, number one pick, number one pick. It's they're drafting the top 10 a few years in a row. They're maximizing the guys that get later in the draft or in the second round or whatever. And, um, you know, this is how you end up with two guys, uh, Hernan Gomez and, and Beasley, especially, who are sitting on the end of the bench being like, give me some playing time, man. Um, and I was like, man, this is brilliant. This is why you get Gerson Rosas is that he thinks outside of the box and he's got probably guys who are telling him this guy just needs more playing time. He's a perfect fit. It's better. Anyone's better than Trevion Grant taking threes. But, you know, better than that. Uh, I don't mean to knock Trevion Graham. No, he's my least favorite Timberwolf of all time, I think. (laughs) (laughs) But I think, you know, as much as 
and I get what they're doing. They're trying to train all those guys into this system, but it obviously wasn't what you'd build for the, for the players you had. Um, I was like, Malik Beasley is the perfect fit. And it's a guy you want to get paid because he shoots well, because he's young. And because he, it seemed like, you know, there's so many reports coming out of the locker room that like this guy wants to win and he, he's not quite Jimmy Butler. No one is, but like, it seemed like he really got distraught when they lost and you don't want losing to become normalized as it has multiple years in a row in Minnesota. And then you like, you start kind of peeling back and you're like, eh, maybe he just has a lot of friends who smoke weed and that's why he's got a pound and a half in his house or whatever it is. And like yeah. right at home thing, I'm like, Oh, that's not good. I, I'd be super scared if that happened. Like I, you don't want that guy pointing a shotgun at you, but like, mm-hmm. like maybe there was some weird misunderstanding. Let me give it time and you know, figure, figure all this out. And then you give it time and you're like, Scotty Pippen's ex-wife is involved in this. Like they're in Miami. Like what, what the hell is going on? And for a guy to go from like such good graces in Minnesota, I think would have been one of the more popular players here for him to go to like, man, that guy probably shouldn't have $60 million just for everyone's sake. (laughs) Um, Yeah. It's really tough because the basketball analytical mind goes, it doesn't change. He still fits the team really well. Uh, Mm -hmm. I start to question like, yeah, he wants family. And I'm like, that's great. He And I, Rosas is committed to this, or at least is committed to, to Beasley, but he did also trade away a whole team, you know, at one point, and they were all, you know, celebrating before the season or whatever. I'm trying to remember if it was Cabo or I can't remember where they went, but. Um, the Bahamas, yeah. Bahamas, Bahamas, yeah. yeah. And, and Carl's weird flex of the Bahamas was real after they started like <laughs> 10 and 8 or something. But, yep. you know, like. <laughs> like the, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I think it doesn't change on the court. I think he's a really good fit. I think the question is, can he stay on the court? Meaning, can he stay out of legal trouble? How does that all unfold? And then Mm -hmm. is he just a constant distraction? Because that is part of the family atmosphere is like, yeah, you take care of each other. But at a certain point, that guy also needs to take care of you. So who knows? I mean, I know a lot of people do dumb things at 24. I certainly did. It gets magnified when you're a pro athlete. I was yeah. pretty much a genius at 24, but <laughs> yeah, some of us, two of the three people on this podcast, I was yeah. saying, unless Chalanga, Chalanga is also like backing up that statement being like, no, everyone at 24 is smart. But yeah, I just, I'm like, he does, he, it needs to stop. We can't change what he did in the past, but he has to realize this is contact detrimental to the team and he just won't be able to play if he can to act like this. I'm I'm I, wondering if there are any type of contingencies in his contract, if he does end up getting suspended at all. I'm very curious to see that because it does look like uh, Dane Moore said that their uh, suspension is likely. So yeah. I'm, I'm very curious to see what his contract looks like in terms of stipulations about getting suspended. Yeah, I know in other leagues you can write in. I'm sure that's CBA stuff where it's like, can you write in a uh, um, character clause or whatever? It's also a little harder to like sign that contract and use that when like everyone else would be like, uh, guys, like you knew what you were getting, you know, like right. and they all know that stuff before we do. So, yeah. um, so, you know, I, I don't know if there's that. I mean, the other thing you have to consider is that it's uh, it's probably a three-year, forty-three contract, right? With the with the mm-hmm. team option, so it's not. People really hate that contract, and I get that you want. Uh, I mean, you want you want guys who are like, honestly, you want the KGs of the world who like are singularly focused on basketball. But mm-hmm. I also get that a lot of these guys, and you want to live it up when you're, you're making that money. You're you're kind of famous and all that stuff. I just. I think I think the bottom line is we're going to learn a lot about him. I think you can forgive his past transgressions, assuming there isn't anything else, which maybe isn't a self. <laughs> you, you can forgive him if he comes away. And to be fair, if you have a family atmosphere, if it's truly what Rosas is presenting, you know what it is. 
that means you work on self-improvement. That's part of family and, and growing as a person. Yeah. You know, and, and so what he did is he put pressure on himself, like more himself to perform just because he has created a lot of drama around him. And so he really needs to perform on the court to prove that he's worth that money. Cause like, it's okay if your life is dramatic so long as you are showing up to play basketball and win games. Um, But this goes back to the Ricky Rubio thing a little bit, because I, I feel like before Ricky was here, the Wolves didn't really have anybody who could like have those difficult conversations. Like D'Angelo Russell having that difficult conversation with Malik Beasley, you know, but I yeah. feel like Ricky Rubio has been around long enough and he like is respected enough as, as a player and as a, as a, you know, he's, he's won. He won when he was in Utah. They, they went to the playoffs consistently. He sort of brings that who's going to have the conversation with Malik about reining it in. You know, it's, it, he, it could be Ricky Rubio. Uh, the last thing as far as the off season. Oh, Dylan just deleted it. Never mind. Let's move on to some season predictions. So <laughs> <laughs> I think something that everyone is wondering is what is this lineup going to be day one? There's like a lot of options, a lot of versatility, a lot of multi-positional players. Uh, what are your thoughts on on what the lineup should be or, uh, versus what the lineup will probably be, I guess? Yeah, I, I mean, I have to think out loud a little bit here of because course, it's yeah. like, yeah, because it's like, do you, you know, it seems like you'd start start Rubio because he's the veteran um, and because like, again, he's someone who's supposed to make everyone better, I think. Uh, you know, does that mean Delo's at two? You obviously have Cat in the mix. I see Hernan Gomez starting. I'm expanding the the question a little bit. I'm also curious just who gets playing time right away. Like, can Malik Beasley have it, right? I mean, is he going to be available on the court? And, like, if they feel like there's a pending, like, suspension, even if it's just coming from the league, do you start him, like, for three games? And then he's just, you know what I mean? Does that throw you off if he's then suspended and then works his way back in? You know, there's part of me, too, is, like, what if he did something that, like, worked around Culver or something like that? And that's not, like a permanent solution, but more like we need to know what we have. And if he's not, if he's not the guy, then we got to trade him or we got to move him to the bench or something like that. And you could right. you can put two playmakers on the court, um, you know, and, and create cat, you know, is always going to be on the court, but it would create room for a, for a cover. If he turns into that slashing type player, I still don't know what he'll be. Um, and then I think how much will they commit to defense? Because that, that's how a Kogi makes his way on the court. But yeah, I've, I've kind of like thrown around or like thought a little bit about the starting five, but to me, it's more interesting. Just like who, who did they actually commit to right out of the blocks? Who did they give playing time to Anthony Edwards? An interesting one. You probably start the number one overall pick, but then didn't he say like, I'm just kind of working in. I don't need to be one of the stars or whatever. <laughs> Cause that he naturally, I would gravitate towards you start him. You see what you have in him. I want to go full small ball, baby. Ooh. Put Anthony Edwards at the four. Put Malik Beasley at the three and just put a, put all the small guys out there. Maybe Josh Akogi at the three at the very biggest. You know we're not at our free our freezing cold take uh, segment yet. <laughs> I right? know there's an even worse one. Ooh. Oh, um there was some talk uh, Ryan Saunders today in his media availability talked about uh, Josh Akogi being a legitimate option at four for them, saying his uh what essential height is six foot eight because he's got that, you know, crazy long <laughs> wingspan. Um and and he's got hops. I got a piece coming out this Thursday about Anthony Ooh. Edwards, and um, I'm, I kind of look at everybody's uh, height, their wingspan uh, uh-huh. at each uh, wing position, two through four, 
Yeah. Whether you whether or not you consider the four a wing in this day and age modern basketball. I do think that vertical leap should be included in your defensive size just because uh, and, and not as much as like wingspan because wingspan is a physical size and you can change that a lot faster than you can when you jump. But uh, I include all of those things basically and I'm going to prove that Anthony Edwards is most naturally going to fit as a four once he Ooh. gets settled into the NBA. I, when you pitched that story, I thought you were kidding. I'm like, is this just a dinner rivalry? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, the two the three, I'm taking four. But the, the thing for me is I, I think Rubio, last year, the Wolves bench minutes were like truly horrific there were some really <laughs> dark days uh watching the wolves bench play and so i think the the importance of ricky rubio is him coming off the bench and like immediately raising our bench's floor like with ricky rubio our whole there, team's floor yeah our win total floor and then i think the other piece is avoiding as many minutes as possible where culver and akogi are on the floor at the same time because that just neutralizes our offense the like the wolves offense and there's not enough shooting how about um, minimize the amount of minutes Jarrett culver's on the floor at all <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think uh i think i'm i'm a little bit i i believe Jarrett culver has a little bit more in him i think like last year was really rough uh and the shot is really really rough but i think he has more in him but i think starting a kogi at the three and then beasley and delo wancho and towns just so that the starting lineup is has as much offense as possible with at least one player out there who you can you know say go guard the best guy and Okogi will do that um and then you avoid culver and Okogi minutes and you've got ricky rubio as like the the rock of the second unit that's that's like to me that feels like the most logical and and successful rotation of players let's move on to how good can this team be so i want to talk about the the floor and the ceiling of this team and then give an over under so tom what do you think is like the, the best that this team could be yeah i mean you made the case for that 10 seed i had forgotten about that rule which actually i, I love it just because you want more teams in the mix but less teams that can like uh how should I put it like kind of disrupt? Not that you often have like under seeds winning, but you want to make sure that the teams who are in the playoffs earn it. Um, I think their ceiling probably is that 10. And I actually think you laid out a pretty good case for the playoffs. I think there's a lot because you have these high upside guys, right? I mean, even, even like a cat can get better because of his defense, even a DLO can get better because of his defense. Um, you know, we, we talked about like Kogi, if he could shoot and all this stuff, you would think that not all that has to come into place or all that has to manifest in order to make the playoffs, but enough of it does. Um, and that's where the variance comes in. I think that's why you could be the 10 and you could just be terrible again this year. It's been a disruptive off season. You, they might start slow because they're one of only eight teams that hasn't played since March. Um, you know, you also, they don't have like the benefit of traditional practices. I mean, at some point they're going to bring all these guys into the facilities, but it is obviously disrupted because of COVID because for obvious reasons, they have to be careful and make sure everyone's tested and whatnot. And a lot of these guys throughout the year have only been doing one-on-one -on -one drills and all this stuff. So, you know, I wonder how much they'll be harmed by that lapse, right? That's why I could see them sneaking into that playoff picture because it's expanded and because they have enough guys with upside and not everything has to go right for that to happen. And it's also why I could be like, man, they could just, bottom out early because they just haven't played in so long and because again like a lot of these guys like it could be just dysfunctional in the sense that you have too much defense but not enough offense with these guys on the court and and you know with cat and d or something like that you're just giving up so many points you can't make it back no matter what you do 
Right. You know, for me, it's it's like D'Angelo Russell was at 23 points a game last year. Carl, before he got hurt, was at 26 and a half. So if Carl and D'Lo are putting up 50 points a night, then like the rest of the team doesn't have to do like that yeah. much to, yeah. for the for us to score like a ton of points. And so I think the there is a legitimate case to think that the Wolves could have near a top five offense this year. Um, just because like Towns when healthy, he's like the Wolves have not had less than I think 12th best offense was their lowest with Carl Anthony Towns as sort of the offensive focus. And so it, if you think about just the amount of offensive talent that has been put around Carl this year, it, it would not shock me if the Wolves were knocking at the door of top five in offense. If they can do that, then like I don't think they need to be much higher than like 20 fifth on defense to like make it to that 10th seed and if they can you know raise their defensive floor to get into the top 20 then I, I don't know I think the eighth seed is like the absolute like peak upside of this team and I, I don't think it's completely impossible I agree with the eighth seed I also have to say people are all talking about how Ricky Rubio is a veteran he's going to come and be a great locker room guy and and also they're talking about how he's going to be this great facilitator that's going to do a lot of stuff offensively for the Wolves but we forget how Rubio raises the defensive floor of every team he's been on as well like he is a very solid defender and when you have a guy like D'Lo out there Ricky Rubio can guard the better of the two offensive players on the opposing team. I think the Wolves could be the eighth seed, maybe even the seventh seed. I think Vegas is really underrating us. So right now, the 72-win win totals that Vegas has out, they have Minnesota Timberwolves with 27.5 wins. I think that's a massive underrating of our team. In terms of 82-win seasons, that's like 31.5 wins. Last year, we were at, what, 35.5, 36.5? Uh, that, was, that was our Vegas over-under. I don't know how this team is any worse than we were last year with Andrew Wiggins running point guard. Oh, no. Uh-oh. Lost you, Tom. Oh, his computer died. Oh, his computer died? Okay, I guess we got to finish off without Tom. Uh, <laughs> Gross, Chalenga. Um, oh, I, I would never I, finish off without Tom. I don't think I would be able to finish off without Tom. <laughs> um, no, but I was going to say, like, for example, the Dallas Mavericks last season had the best offense and 18th defense in the like nuggets had the many years <laughs> had the fifth best offense the 16th defense the houston rockets had the sixth offense and the 15th defense so it, it, like if the wolves can like at least get to middle of the pack i i do think that they are for sure a playoff team but i mean it it, it all depends on malik be like worst case scenario malik beasley's legal trouble is way worse than uh, we think, and he is suspended for a bunch of games. Anthony Edwards can't really put it together. Jake Lehman gets hurt. And, you know, I mean, Wancho can't defend, but he his shooting is 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 worse than we think it is. And so like, I do see a scenario where the Wolves are, again, one of the worst teams in the league, but I think it's more likely that they'll be 10th seed or higher, personally. Yeah, I can't, I can't see the Wolves being anything under than the 11th seed will be fighting for that play in spot no matter what. And as and that's given general health, I guess, you know, Ricky Ruby has been healthy these past couple seasons and given Carl Anthony Towns is going to be healthy all season. I can't see the team winning less than 27 games. So I'm over on the Vegas over under. And then in terms of my personal over under, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with 37. I think I think we can win 37 games in a 72 game season. 
Yeah, I was going to say, I think in, I, I'm just going to think about it in 82 games just because that's I, that works better for my brain. And I think that works <laughs> better for everybody's brain. But I think like in a 72 win season, this team is at least a 40 win team at like, you know, base level. And so I would say like, I'd probably put them in a 72 game season. Optimistically, I'd put them at 42 games. 42 and 40 seems like totally reasonable for this team. Wait, again. So, oh, in an 82 in an 82 game season, yeah, I'm sorry. Okay. In an 82 game season, I put them at 42 wins, just because, like, I, like I said, I think their offense is going to be really good, and I, I think the teams are going to struggle to stop. And like, we haven't watched Carl Anthony Towns play in a long time, and we certainly have never watched Carl Anthony Towns play with uh, offensive talent as good as the Wolves currently have. So I think that they're going to surprise us a little bit. And maybe I'm a I'm a homer, maybe I'm too optimistic, but I, I really believe this offense is going to be incredible. So that is 35 wins. Okay. For you when you said that. 40 that's that's about 35. Wins I might put down some money on the on the Timberwolves over actually. I, that's actually not a stupid choice. If yeah, you're going to put your I money think, on something. <laughs> that's going to be my first foray into uh gambling, sports gambling. <laughs> I'm going to put money down on this Timberwolves over. Um all right, well, I think Tom had the over. I think that Tom had hope in for them being in the 10th seed, I want to thank Mr. Shire for coming on. You can read him over at zonecoverage.com, just like you can read me and Dylan over at zonecoverage.com. I got a piece coming out on Monday um, all about the player empowerment movement and the Black Lives Matter movement and how important the NBA is for America right now, um, for Black people and for non-Black people, just seeing, uh, you know, successful Black bodies who are controlling their own destiny and are making real-life impact in this country is real important we stand we stand dylan you got a piece coming out on thursday yeah i got a piece coming out on thursday all about how anthony edwards is a power forward i love it we are feuding on zone coverage that's tight that is so (laughs) tight um thanks for everyone for listening shout out spencer subscribe download oh i want to shout out tim kamatsu i was on the phone with him and he said i i it makes me so uncomfortable every time that you shout me out so if you're going to do it, do it at the beginning of the pod. So, so I did this it is, at the very end of the pod because I know it'll make him laugh. I uh, still want to do our I still want to do our cold takes because I, I did so much preparation for this. And the Ricky Rubio, would you rather? I have to do it. Oh, OK. Yeah, I've, I actually forgot about the cold takes. Yeah, what's what's your freezing cold take of the North, Dylan? OK, my freezing cold take is that in two years, this team will have be able to do nothing but build around Anthony Edwards. And that's in a good way. Oh, cool. There trade Towns. Make. Trade Towns, trade d build around Anthony Edwards. I love it. Um, my freezing cold take is that Jake Lehman should be the starting power forward for this team. I don't even know if that's a cold take. He was really <laughs> great for the Wolves in the first part of the season. And you know what? I don't know if you could like track it, but I feel like Jake Lehman's injury might track exactly with the fate of the Timberwolves. You know, Carl Anthony Towns was actually healthy for a lot of that nine or whatever game losing streak that we had. Yeah, he was. I mean, they didn't but, lose us. They didn't win a single game in December and Towns got hurt, I think, in the middle around. or end. No, it was like mid. Yeah, it was. I, I think he was around for half of that. Yes. I'm, I'm saying I'm is that you, Jake Lehman. Yeah, when but, he was healthy for the Timberwolves, I feel like he was. I feel like that was when we were around ten and ten and nine or whatever it was. Yeah, absolutely. And then he got hurt, and I just like I love a guy that brings his own goddamn mashed potatoes to a game. To be, <laughs> that is toy. So, Dylan, give me your uh, would you rather? This is a Lindsey Whalen would you rather Ricky Rubio edition. 
Say wow. that five times. That's a fast. mouthful. Uh-huh. You're, you're you must be a professional audio person. Oh yeah, baby. Not that I didn't stumble over my words a billion times in this podcast, but uh, I, let's hear it, Dylan. I just really wish Tom Schreier's computer didn't die before this because he would have enjoyed this to the max. Yeah, Tom, when you listen to this, please text us what you think about these would you rather's, and then we will report it to the podcast the next time <laughs> we do this. We will write articles about about your thoughts. Oh, okay, dude. First, Rick Rubio. It's a. It's actually a Rick Rubio. Would you rather? Lindsay Williams. So, would you rather Rick Rubio edition? Okay. Would you rather Rick Rubio or Goran Dragric? Ooh, that is tough. I mean, uh, Goran is old, but he's so much more dynamic offensively. Um, my heart says Ricky Rubio, but my brain says Goran Dragic. Really? I actually would prefer Ricky Rubio just based on... Okay, so yeah, we're taking our we're taking our Timberwolves hats off. Like t- We have our, our heads on a little bit more straight when it comes to Ricky Rubio. I think the rest of... What was the thing that uh, summarized it best? You posted that meme where everybody was dancing and then there was this kid who was like looking at all these people oh, that were yes. raving. Yes. And, oh, it's it's yeah, yeah, yeah. this little this is little black boy at a at a rave. Uh, I assume in New York City, it's a bunch of old white people dancing, <laughs> and this, this it pans in on this little white this little black boy just like so scared and confused, <laughs> giving like, a little like Gary Coleman like What are you talking about? What's going on here? And I said that's what it's like every time I'm in a bar and Mr. Brightside comes on, because that is the scariest part of white culture. In my opinion, is <laughs> Mr. Brightside. <laughs> yeah, dude, that shit is cultish. I don't. It's like worse it. than meth. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 worse than I'm the. I'm glad that not here for this. I I think that we would be in trouble again. Um. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> God, I'll never get an article published on zone coverage again. Um. But yes, Minnesota <laughs> Timberwolves fans are so horny for Ricky Rubio. I said this. They're. they're hornier for ricky rubio than mainstream media is for tyler hero they're just like it is a a deep deep love okay so but honestly it just in terms of basketball ricky rubio gives you more on defense and i think ricky rubio just because he had one acl injury at the beginning of his career i think that was kind of a fluke goran dragic has struggled to stay on the court his whole career with nicks and bumps and bruises I think that I would rather have Ricky Rubio. He also brings, I mean, I think Goran uh, does bring a lot of leadership, but I think Ricky Rubio brings a whole different level of leadership. He always is on a team that wins more games than they did the year before. So uh, I would take Ricky Rubio and he's making less money next year than Goran Dragic. And he's not even starting. That's true. Goran's making a lot of money. But when you make the finals, you make a lot of money. Um, Good for him. Here's my next one. E. Rick Bledsoe or Ricky Rubio? Oh, I'll take Ricky Rubio Rick, all the way. Rick Rubio, Eric, sorry. Eric, Rick Rubio all the way. Uh, Eric Bledsoe, great defender. Uh, but I, I don't think that you lose too much uh, defensively with Ricky Rubio. Uh, their shooting is both equally flawed, but Ricky Rubio's playmaking, uh, uh, just much more. And like attitude. Eric Bledsoe has consistently brought some negative energy to teams. Mm, so mm-hmm. I'll take Rick. Okay. Rick Rubio or Crick Paul? Oh, I take Chris Paul 100 times out of 100, and you know that, Dylan. But this is Chris Paul making $40 million over the next two seasons. And imagine it. You, you, there was already 
a rumor going around that Chris Paul was going to be traded to the Timberwolves. And when this rumor was going around, I specifically remember you saying, I just don't want that. I don't want that for Chris Paul. I don't want to have to root for that team that's going to be in the bottom of the playoffs. Do you really want that? Or would you rather have Ricky Rubio, who's going to give you a lot more for longer, I should say. I'm not saying guess- that Chris Paul doesn't give you more for next year, but but Ricky Rubio is also very good. He's a very good player and is going to help us a lot. And also, he's not going to take away from what we have with D'Lo and Towns. Like, he's not going to pretend like, oh, no, this is my team now. And that's oh, okay. my favorite thing about this. I was kind of thinking about this. I, I don't know why, but I wasn't thinking about it Timberwolves specifically. Um, I was just thinking about This is a, a specific a, Timberwolves a, podcast. I was thinking about it in a vacuum. I, but no. my answers don't change. And I I, st- I still think I take Chris Paul just, be, just because, like, I think that team is better. And oh my God. So I will take the team that is better. Although I do have a feeling that maybe Chris Paul and Carl Anthony Towns would not um, get along that well. <laughs> I don't think that Chris Paul and anyone on our team would get along that well. Like Chris Paul, while yes, Chris Paul is a, is a great teammate and, uh, and a fine culture guy. I just, I don't, I mean, he didn't get along with Blake Griffin. He didn't get along with James Harden and he's not on the Oklahoma city thunder now. So like, what's to say that, and he and he couldn't stay on the Hornets either. Like, I do think that Rick Rubio is going to be a big positive addition mentally for the Timberwolves. That in um, a way that Chris Paul could never be. We just got done saying how we're not horny for Rick Rubio, and you're over here like, yeah, I'll take Rick Rubio over Chris Paul. Come on now. Yeah, I, can... I don't like Chris Paul. I've never. I don't like Chris Paul. Chris Let Paul me... is the reason why our season tanked. Last Dylan, year. stand up. Let me see your shorts. Nope, don't talk anything. That's <laughs> what I thought, Dylan. All right, well, thank you for no, listening. No, to the Coast there's Coast more. Coast. There's more? That, I thought yeah, you were there's three, more. I'm going to... Would you rather's? I'm, I'm going to delete this one. I'm going to okay. delete this one. Because this one sucks. Okay. Rick Rubio. Uh, actually, you, you just don't know who Rick Spielman is. So that was more of a Tom Schreier-specific one. Uh, he's the GM of the Minnesota Vikings, by the way. Oh, yes, yes. Okay. Well, I take Rick Rubio for sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Rick Rubio or the Charlie Murphy version of Prince from Dave from the Dave Chappelle sketches. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and this person is going to be playing basketball for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Yes. Then I take uh, Charlie Murphy Prince for yep. sure. I think that one's pretty obvious for everyone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That dude could ball for real, for real. <laughs> All right. Well. Thanks for listening to the Coast to Coast NBA podcast. Uh, once again, I'm Chilenga. That's Dylan. Thank you, Tom Schreier, for coming on. Uh, you can read him at zonecoverage.com. Shouts to Tim Komatsu. We love you, baby. Shouts to Rudy. Shouts to Kyle Radke, who couldn't make it today. Um, make sure you download, uh, subscribe to this podcast, leave a rating or a review, do all the stuff. Follow us on social at Pod on instagram and twitter send us an email at coast to coast uh coast to coast nba pod at gmail.com we would love to read your email and not respond to it um and <laughs> you today, know who you are we've got uh, music uh from a band very near and dear to me lazier uh they're a, a band from minneapolis they are really tight this is off of their record lazier 2 the song is Obsessed Xylophones. Please enjoy.
Schlenk, I actually have one last Lindsay Whalen, would you rather Rick Rubio edition? All right, send him away. Would you rather have Rick Rubio or Jesus Christ, Dylan? Um, I'm going to take Rick Rubio 100 times out of 100, Dylan. That was you. You made us re-record, go all the way back. We were done. And then you made us do, do that so that you could Rickroll me. What is it? What is it? 2010? The yes. hell? Yes. God I'm, damn. I'm officially a family guy writer. Yeah. Seth MacFarlane, if you're listening... I got someone for you. <laughs> I don't have enough like racist Jew jokes. <laughs> That's probably a good thing, Dylan. <laughs> oh boy. Let's sign off. <laughs> <laughs>